Last week, we looked at the abundance mindset that Jesus had and how that permeated his lifestyle and his ministry. Today, I want to explore how the theme of abundance pervades God's interactions with his creation and how scarcity, both real and imagined, actually stems from mankind's reaction to that abundance and generosity. There are many examples and stories throughout the Bible which demonstrate the generosity of God. But the theme that winds its way through the Old and the New Testaments is the desire of God to bring his people into a place or a mindset of abundant life, which we see referred to as the tree of life. And this starts right at the beginning in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2. Verse 9 says, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life was apparently provided by God as a means of preserving and promoting life for Adam and Eve in their role as co-rulers with him. Now, we know that access to that tree came to an abrupt halt when they ate from the neighbouring tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But still, God didn't give up on his desire to bless his people. And so further down the track, we get the Jewish people being given the Ten Commandments from which they've developed their system of law called the Torah which clearly references the idea of the blessings that come from following its precepts. Uh, for example, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 says, Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. So the Torah, which in Jewish tradition is also referred to as the tree of life, was the Israelites' roadmap to an abundant and blessed life if they could keep the laws of the Torah. And we know how well that went for them. But even then, God didn't get discouraged or backed down from his plan of abundance for his people. And so he sent another tree of life in the form of a person, the person of his son, Jesus. And Jesus is pretty blunt about his connection to life through the Father. John 14, 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So throughout the Bible, we have this consistent theme of God continuing to provide a way for humanity to access the blessing and abundance that he has planned and provided for us. But I know what you're thinking. If God is as generous as I'm making him out to be, and that his plan for humanity is one of abundance and blessing, then why is the scarcity and lack in our world? Not just the I don't have everything I want type of scarcity, but there is real and life-threatening scarcity. Every year, approximately 9 million people on this planet die of starvation and starvation-related illnesses. I mean, it really puts the coronavirus in the shade, doesn't it? And the unfortunate irony of all of this is the source of scarcity lies in our response to God's generosity. Not only does the response cause material scarcity, but the other consequence is reflected in our connection to the kingdom of God. If we take the situation in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were in an environment where heaven and earth were merged together. God walked with them in the garden and there was no lack. In fact, the only thing they couldn't access was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if we use the party analogy in the Bible Project video that I showed you last week, then if you trust the host, then that one restriction shouldn't be a problem, right? This was the issue that the serpent focused on. He didn't say to Eve, 
disobey God. That's all going to go really well for you because that wasn't going to fly. His question was, can you really trust the host? Genesis 3.1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. So one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That's obviously a spurious question. The answer is no. But it actually brought Eve's focus onto the one tree they weren't supposed to touch. And once he'd done that, he pounced with the accusation that God was holding out on them and was not to be trusted. Genesis 3 verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So once a lack of trust in the host of the party was established, then disobedience wasn't far behind. So humankind's first response to God's generosity was lack of trust and blatant disobedience. The consequences were devastating. That intimate connection between heaven and earth was lost. And as we move forward, we discover that God re-establishes his plan of abundance through the family of Abraham. But the connection between heaven and earth is only available through the tabernacle or the temple and is mediated by certain individuals like the priests and later the, the prophets. But God's plan for the nation of Israel was to hold them up to the rest of the world as an example of his desire to bring abundance and blessing to all humanity. Genesis 22:18. And says, he says to Abraham, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. So God led them into their own Eden, what we know as the promised land. But instead of following the laws of the Torah and worshipping Yahweh, they started worshipping other gods. Or in terms of the party analogy again, they forgot about the host and decided they were in charge of the party and started making their own rules. For example, in 1 Kings 16.32, we've got King Ahab. And it says, first he built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. And he did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Not a good thing. And this ignoring or forgetting their allegiance to Yahweh resulted in the destruction of the temple and the defeat of Israel leading to the exile in Babylon. And so by this stage, you might think that God would have had enough. But his desire to bring blessing and abundance to his creation, to his created beings, leads him to go to even greater lengths to connect with humankind by becoming one of them through his son, Jesus. John 10 tells us, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus comes to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, but not the way his disciples believed. They based their belief on the Jewish historical perspective and either expected a merging of heaven and earth or a connection with their nation at least. They expected war. Um, but he brought a personal connection with individuals, which we experience today through the power of the Holy Spirit. So to use our party scenario again, the host actually shows up at the party this time. He spends time actually explaining to people the purpose of the party, his role in the party, and the expectation he has of our role in the party. I mean, it seems a very clear and logical way to get things back on track. No more hiding in the games room with the hors d'oeuvres, people. So what's our response? Well, we don't disobey the host. We don't ignore the host. This time we actually kill the host. Way to go. It's our twisted response to God's generosity that brings the possibility of scarcity to the table. And God even promises this in Genesis 3. In the end of verse 17, he tells Adam, 
All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. And so this introduces a tension into the narrative that we have to negotiate through faith. The reality is that we live in a fallen world where scarcity does exist, but we also have access to the kingdom of God on a personal level this time, which lacks for nothing. And therefore, it's our mindset, who we put our trust in, how we exercise our faith that determines whether we live in scarcity or abundance. And you might think that having a scarcity mindset is just being realistic. But that's simply not true. And a great example is a few months ago, we experienced the shortage of toilet paper that was caused only by a scarcity mindset. There was no shortage of toilet paper and there was never going to be a shortage of toilet paper until somebody imagined that there might be. Then, because other people noticed that the shelves were empty, they thought, well, perhaps we should stock up too, just in case. And before you know it, when you go down to the supermarket to get your toilet paper, just for normal use, you can't. So next time you see some, guess what? You buy double the amount, just in case. And so what happens then is suddenly toilet manufacturers are producing record amounts of toilet paper. This is being queued for, fought over and hoarded for exactly the same number of backsides and exactly the same number of bowel movements that existed before the shortage. Which is why for Vision Builders this year, we sent you out one of these and not one of these because we're building for our future. We're believing that God is able to bless that expansion and we are trusting in him rather than the world, our circumstances or what our physical eyes may see. We are anticipating his blessing and his abundance because we're determined to take on the mindset of Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit. Look, however we see God's generosity, he always gives us a choice. We are free to live as though we're in charge of the party, or we can acknowledge Jesus as the host and put our trust and our lives in his hand. This morning, before I close, I want to give you an opportunity, all party references aside, to take steps to connect not just with Jesus, but with the kingdom he represents and all that comes with it. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer, which will appear on your screen. And I want you to pray it by repeating after me. And if you do pray that prayer with me, please indicate this by pressing the raise hand button in the chat. Somebody will follow you up after the service privately to help you with the next step in your work, walk with Jesus. So let's pray. Jesus, today I want to start a new relationship with you. I am sorry for my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. I put my trust in you as my Saviour and Lord. I believe you died for my sins and rose again. And I want to join with you in bringing heaven to earth. Amen. Now, next week, we're going to be looking at how Jesus was the ultimate gift in God's battle to bring us into a place of abundance and blessing. So see you then.